I remember hearing a, I, I don't, it might have been Vincent, I don't think it was Vincent Van Gogh who said it, but the quote was, um, success comes from a long line of failure. And the thing that I just thought to myself was, yeah, but so does failure. <laughs> This is Practice Makes Podcast, where we continuously revamp our format in search of a purpose. This week, we've decided we are a self-improvement podcast. Yes. There was a point where I decided my life had become unmanageable, and I sought out all the therapy. Jordy has yet to realize the mess his life has become. Darn right. I'm in denial. (laughs) Not just the river in Egypt. This week, we are going to discuss being mediocre, fear of success, and fear of failure. Let me mention that we are not counselors, nor do we have all the answers. We are mere plebeians with issues of our own, who sometimes say clever things. So let's get to our topic. Do you hate me? No. I'm (laughs) I'm in denial about hating you. Also, this week, we can actually see each other on the screen. Yeah, he's still in Canada, but... More more, uh, intimate this way. Yeah, to see if if it's different. I love what you've done with your hair. Thank you. I um, like what you've done with your headset. I feel like with our headsets looking at each other, I feel like we're two call center people, (laughs) like... Trying to mutually help each other out. <laughs> yeah. That's a nice lamp, too. Wait, is that a lamp? Oh, no, that's the, that's the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Fireplace. <laughs> it, what? I can't. Yeah, it looks kind of like the fireplace from Home Alone, the one that Kevin oh. was scared of when he would go down the basement and open up its mouth. I, I, I hope see. people are. You're going to have to show me that later, like closer up. Okay. Because it looks like a lamp. (laughs) Well, it is a lamp (laughs) in the sense that it provides light when you put the fire in. Yeah. It's a sort of lamp. Yeah. That's what I meant. Absolutely. (laughs) So, um, So, Jordy, how does it feel to be mediocre? Uh, I'm coming gradually more and more to accept it. I didn't <laughs> want to accept it for a long time. And I feel like you're looking be... really intensely at me or are you looking at? No, I'm looking like away because I'm ashamed. So it's, <laughs> it's like my body language. <laughs> it's because it's not like eye contact. Well, it's if I make eye contact with you, I'm looking at if you make eye contact, I'm looking into a camera lens. <laughs> I'm like looking at your eyes on the screen, but it looks like I'm looking down. <laughs> but um, what was I saying? No, I, it's 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 been a hard thing, and there's still a part of me that um doesn't want to accept that I'm mediocre. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm 
I'm gradually coming to accept it. What about you? Well, first of all, I'm sorry that I assumed that you are mediocre. Well, you correctly. So. <laughs> um, I uh, remember growing up thinking that I needed to be extraordinary and um, I wanted to save like my family and the best way to do that was to, you know, like get incredibly rich and um, granted I never wanted fame, but I felt like that was part of what I was supposed to do. And I think that my family created that too, where it was like they wanted me to save them also. And still sometimes I feel like I'm supposed to, but um, so realizing actually and coming to terms with the idea of being mediocre or the fact that I don't have to be extraordinary and I don't have to be a superhero is very relieving, honestly. But do you think that, that it sounds almost like to you being mediocre is like a, a sense of powerlessness, like unable to change things or to help people around you or improves is that part of what being mediocre is to you oh wow that's an interesting um observation i and it gives me some anxiety because i hate feeling like i'm powerless <laughs> so I'm like fuck now i have to i've always felt powerless and like so and so i'm basically constantly constantly anxious and oh, nice. feeling dread over that <laughs> Um, I remember once when I was, uh, having dinner with my family, uh, I was with my mother and my uncle and at the time I'd been missing a lot of school because I just hated being there. And so any opportunity I could be to be sick, I would just like, you know, I'd fake sick. I just plead with my mother to let me stay at home. I'd leave school early. And so my grades were slipping and they were starting to put the pressure on my mom. And my mom just kind of made the comment when she was talking about all this at uh, the meal with my uncle saying, I just don't understand how he's doing so poorly in school. He's so smart. And my uncle just said, well, maybe he isn't. Did you ever think of that? <laughs> and that like always stuck with me. It's like, maybe, maybe we're not as smart as great as we think we are or that we're supposed to be because we're always told that each one of us is special and unique and I think most of the time that's just not the case or it wasn't the case for me and I think initially <clears throat> excuse me um, learning something like that can be disappointing and like discouraging where you're like oh I'm not a hero or I'm not extraordinary. I'm not as smart as my mom thinks I am. And then you're like, I'm going to disappoint my parents and stuff like that. And initially it, it's, it can be so disappointing, but, um, with that, I think comes a lot of pressure, like the pressure to succeed and the, the pressure to like impress or like be better than other people or, be the best at something. How how often have we seen that trope like in the movie where it's 
I was just an average kid, but it turned out I had this power within me, and now I'm not so average anymore. I'm quoting yeah. Alex Mack, but it's like, yeah, by definition, you're not average. Like, it's like we all want to be that kid who like finds like their inner, uh, you know, talent and become, you know, rises above the, uh, the fray and, and stands out and shines. But if you, if you don't have it from the very beginning, you're just not going to get it. <laughs> So don't even try. I guess. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I was thinking of it um, like something that you said earlier. Off taping was this um, idea that's sort of been fed to us that we sort of live in this world of like individualism and selfishness, where we feel like it's our responsibility to leave behind a legacy and the fact that um, if we don't, it's like discouraging for us. Yeah. I think that's a big part of uh, mediocrity is, you know, that you won't be remembered for anything. Like we all have this fear of our own mortality and the one way that we have of escaping that is by writing you know a great masterpiece a great novel or making a beautiful painting that will stay long after we're gone in the minds of people and that's how that's the closest that we can get to overcoming our own mortality that was a big theme in uh, Dante Alighieri's uh, Divine Comedy book. Is uh, you know this was the you know, he he mentions it within the work is like the a man's art or a man's like creativity is his the way that he becomes immortal. And I'm really obsessed with medieval uh, Italian writers tonight. Apparently, since I've been <laughs> talking to you about them nonstop. Non-stop. God, my fucking cough. Um, yeah, I, that is interesting that the idea of wanting to be remembered has so much to do with our fear of mortality and that we really just want to become immortal. And I think some people will have children to, to feel immortal um, like they'll live forever and then so some people will create art like you said or have some kind of other legacy that's a business or wealth and then when I think about all of that it's it's really this desire to be remembered by people that we don't even know or care about and so it, it makes me wonder why why do we want to be remembered by people that we don't give a shit about? Yeah, I, th- I think it's an evolutionary drive. We want to be the best and conquer. Like that's what pushes evolution and that's what advances things. But yeah, there's this element of individualism that our society has become this hyper, uh, self-obsessed, self-aggrandizing, uh, sense sort of sociopathy about it that keeps us from actually just being happy with 
who we are and what we have. It's, it's never good enough. Yeah. And I think the irony with that is that when you're selfish and you're focusing so much on what will create you be to be a better person or what would make you be a better person in the, the world, you know, better than others. I don't mean better person necessarily, but when you're thinking in this selfish mindset where how can I be the best or better than others or leave behind some kind of recognition or some way to be recognized and noticed. The reality is if you like the less selfish you are, the more you'll be noticed because the more you're reaching out, if you're, if you're helping people or if you have some kind of passion or purpose, a lot of the time you're going to find those in others. Cause honestly, like when I think about purpose, it's hard for me to imagine that being a very inwardly focused venture. I imagine, at least for me, it's going to be like to help others in some way or another, like to make an impact on the world, but, you know, in a good way. I guess if I was a dictator and I was evil, my impact on the world would be like to destroy capitalism or Wonderful. I'm liking the idea already. <laughs> uh, I th- yeah, maybe that's... I'm sorry. That's got me thinking, like, maybe in a way, now that I think about it, uh, accepting one's own mediocrity, kind of based off of what you were just saying, like, through help, helping others or, or uh, being a part of your environment, I think maybe that's... Accepting mediocrity is almost like establishing an equilibrium with your own environment and the those around you and your situation like one thing that i've been thinking about lately at my job is how i'm not like the fastest or the most knowledgeable or the most efficient but i realize one one of my qualities is i'm probably the most compatible worker at my job and what i mean with that is i'm able to modify and adjust my behavior to correspond with the person that i'm working with so if i notice oh this person likes to work faster so i'm gonna work faster oh this person likes to work at more of a steady pace so i'm gonna do that and um yeah, I don't know. Maybe mediocrity is about becoming one with the universe. <laughs> Just a leaf on the river of life. Well, I the interesting thing that came up when you were talking about that, that I was thinking of. God, I feel, I hate when I say that, when I'm like, this is interesting and I'm about to say it. <laughs> I don't know. What, what else are we supposed to say? <laughs> Interesting thing is this thing that I'm about to say because I'm a pretentious asshole. Um, in, in elementary school, they made us come up with like different ways to end our paragraphs, and so it's because we couldn't just say the the thing same thing over and over. So we would go through these different phrases. All in all, in conclusion, <laughs> therefore, I yes. always say in conclusion. Even though I'm 32 years old and I've written so many papers, every single paper ends with, in conclusion. 
Because I've never, <laughs> no teacher has been like, that's not good enough. So I just kept doing it. So evolutionarily, humans are the most powerful creatures on the planet. Let's just be real. We dominate! <laughs> humans are in charge. Um, throughout the course of human evolution, it isn't the strongest, always, who dominates and survives. It isn't the smartest, always, that dominates and survives. It's the ones that are the most adaptable to change. Like cockroaches. Like cockroaches. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when you were saying, like, you're very adaptable when you're at work. And that's actually one of the best qualities you can have for evolving. <laughs> yeah, like uh, almost nobody gets mad at me because I just do defer to whatever they want to do. And <laughs> I just like, no, work this this way. Oh, you got it. I had a boyfriend before I moved to L.A. <clears throat> who I was not envious of. But I, the word, I admired him, and this is going to sound shitty probably the way it comes out, but I admired him because he was so satisfied with life, like just the way that it was. I met him at uh, Sports Authority, like in retail, Mm -hmm. and for the rest of like the past, let's see, when was that? probably 11 years, he continued to just work in retail. He was really, really smart. He lettered in academics in high school. And I don't think it, what was so admirable about that was that he had the ability to just be happy. Yeah. With what he had. He, he was, satisfied like he had an awesome he was able to accept the world as it was yeah he had like a great friend group and you know he just live his life day in and day out you know come home drink a beer not feel bad about it watch sports chill out you know make fun of himself make fun of his friends laugh and it It was just very admirable because for me, I had to go try and be extraordinary and like, yes, if I'd never done that, I would regret it. So there's that. That was part of what was inside of me was just this like drive to leave like that legacy or some idea that I needed to be more than I was. And I, you know, always felt that way. So Yeah, being mediocre isn't, like, it sounds like such a bad thing, but I think that it's, it's the best case scenario. Yeah, in a a school of fish, the one that's swimming faster or sticking out of the group gets eaten. (laughs) The ones that are all just huddled together, they, they survive. (laughs) And that's kind of how it is in the real world. The ones who are just able to accept their regular nine to five job. They end up living longer and healthier. Yeah. Whereas the people who have this kind of Hegelian view of the world, like life is moving in a certain direction. Some it's something is at the end of the road there. Yeah. 
they end up running out of steam, I find. It's exhausting. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, for something that isn't necessarily even there. But there are great people. I mean, it it is possible. Yeah, I think... It's possible um, to win the lottery, too. <laughs> there was something I wanted to say before we went on to this other topic. But I can't remember. Um, so let's move on. So then this leads us to our next topic, kind of, which is the fear of success. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of blends in with mediocrity, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, does that mean people who are mediocre are afraid of success? I think that that's a possibility. I think that there's a lot of different ways that you can end up in mediocrity, which all of us are there. And it's not the idea that I'm trying to portray is that it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. To be mediocre. God, it's such a... T- Every time I say it, though, I feel like a little bummed out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's technically a pejorative term, I think. It's, it's, yeah. It's hard to self-identify as being mediocre. I don't even think people who we would consider as mediocre would take too kindly <laughs> to being called that. Yeah, I'm mediocre. Uh, but being afraid of success, uh, for me, I think what it means is you're the fear of getting what you've been striving for and then not knowing what to do afterwards. My example is the really long process that I went through to immigrating to Canada. It took way longer than I thought it was going to take and it dragged on for years and it just kind of consumed me into this nebulous, you know, abstract almost kind of like utopian idea of like getting finally accepted to immigrate to Canada. And then when I finally got it, I had this moment when I was just sitting um, and I thought to myself, well, now what do I do? Like I finally got it. Where? I was sitting on a park bench. I was sitting. (laughs) That's so cliche. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It wasn't like the Forrest Gump park bench i wasn't waiting for a bus or anything but i i was was sitting on a bench in the middle of a park it was a beautiful sunny day and i was just looking um directly into the sun yes (laughs) now there was a canadian flag um waving waving in the sun and it was filtering out the light so i wasn't um my eyes weren't burned but I was, I was, I was crying tears of joy as the Canadian <laughs> national, national anthem was playing because there just happened to be a group of Mounties that were doing band practice and yeah, that's they legally. play the national anthem every day at noon just across the whole country. Yeah, it's kind of a little much, but is this racist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm Canadian now, so I guess not. I'm, if I'm oh, saying yeah. it about myself, okay. but, um, uh, no, I, I was, it was just kind of, it was a bittersweet moment when I realized I'd gotten what I had worked so hard for. And then I realized, damn, I've still got my whole life ahead of me. And I essentially 
had let this consume me so much to the point where I didn't think of anything beyond this point. Yeah. But that's good. I think that's a good way to live your life. Nothing ever happens if you have to plan everything out, probably. No, it was, it was, but it was, it was almost as though I was contented while I was going through that long waiting process thinking because it was like a justification for why I wasn't getting anything else accomplished mm. because I wasn't doing anything during in the meantime or I wasn't doing anything like really particularly meaningful. And it was always like this justification, like, well, why don't I have a better job? Why don't I have like a relationship or why aren't I saving up money or something like that? I was like, well, I'm waiting until this move to Canada happens. So it was a way for me to like rationalize my, my mediocrity. (laughs) My, My pursuit for success was a way to escape my mediocrity. Yeah, that is kind of what it is. Because if you achieve success in the way that you imagine it, then that means that you're not mediocre anymore. Well, it's like, it's like being a student. Like, being a student in college is the greatest way to not be judged by older people. <laughs> I remember, like, when I was in college, it was just fine. Like, what do you do? I'm a student. Oh, okay, so you're... You're in the, in the making. You're a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, you're you, allowed to be a drunk. Not yeah, you specifically, well, but anyone who wants to be a drunk. Yeah, well, it's just like they don't expect much from you or, you know, you're, you're working on it. You're always working. And then once the college is over and like, there's not you're that. You're still doing cocaine and acid on the weekends? Should you, you know, be doing some you're still sleeping in till five o'clock in the evening <laughs> and no, but you don't have any more excuses. So it's, yep. I think that's part of what the fear of success might be or the fear of, yeah, the fear of, I guess, finishing a project and trying to move on to the next thing. Yeah. I think part of the fear of, of success is, that I think in the odd like duality of it is that if you give a hundred percent of yourself or you know you focus to that extent that you need to focus to be able to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve, that's your entire bank account like you're everything you've got and that's 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 you like to the core you give your whole self to this thing and maybe that's what it takes and then you get denied it so that would be a little bit of a fear of failure I guess in a way I mean, wait, are we talking about fear of failure now? I mean, we could talk about both at the same time. Because paradoxically, they're the same. Yeah. But getting success has to be a good thing because I remember at the end of the Willy Wonka 
and the chocolate factory when he gave him the chocolate factory. He said, but Charlie, don't forget what happened to the man who suddenly got everything that he ever wanted. And he said, what? He lived happily ever after. And then the movie ended. So success is inherently, it has to be good. Especially if it was just handed to you. Yes. Although Charlie worked hard. Well, yeah, he did go through some difficult stuff. But I mean, he didn't, he didn't have to build up that whole factory and just, anyway, being afraid of failure. I'm, I'm terrified of, of failure. Um, but I, at the same time, I don't think I've ever had anything that's that's actually been so catastrophic happen to me that I thought it was like a, a huge failure. Hmm. But I, I am. That's always something that has been in, gnawing at me in my mind is the idea of being so down and out that. You know, you're you're maybe out of a home and out of a job. Uh, the closest I came to that was losing my job this uh, earlier this year, or at the end of last year, um, because I I felt like the walls kind of closing in on me. I think that's what part of like fear. The fear of failure is like a very visceral. It, it's a very instinctive feeling. It's it's essentially the fear of death, I would say. Yeah. <clears throat> so what you imagine failure as would be like not having a job. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess I have a very like survivalist notion of it. Like if you get too many failures, if you lose too many hearts yeah. in the Mario game, or you, <laughs> game over, man, game over. <laughs> And then you have more lives. Yeah, but I guess like in a, in a less like uh, maybe in a less like lethal sense of the word failure, like maybe you start, uh, you try and go to school and try and finish a degree uh, and you never end up finishing it. What is the difference and between success and failure? You're getting what you wanted and not getting what you wanted, I would say. Well, how do you know what you want? Mm, how do you know what you want? I'd basically say it's the one thing you're almost obsessively thinking over all the time. Like if you're, if you're really obsessed with the idea of owning a, a fish and plant store, then <laughs> chances are that's what you really want. Well, so they say, that no one really fears failure, but that everyone is actually afraid of success. Who and says that? Them. Oh, them. Okay. Yeah, they do. Um, who says that? Um, and I never truly believed that or understood like what the fuck that was saying until I started to want to be successful at something where I, I felt like I was reaching out into the world for actually real reasons and purposeful things that gave me a sense of belonging in the world rather than just like recklessly bounding through what I thought was supposed to be success and what I thought was supposed to end up as failure and who people told me 
I was supposed to be. And it wasn't until those moments where you, <clears throat> something comes up and you realize that you have to give 100%. And then those ideas of like the fear of like, what if this is successful? What will change? And change is scary. Or like, what will it look like? And you know, all these questions that you ask yourself is just this like fear of the unknown. And I think that failure is easy, simple. It's like, you know, what's going to happen. You can look into the future and say, well, what does failure look like? Joblessness or you'll fill out the thing that you want to do. And then success, like what? It's like we've been living our lives as failures up until the point that we're successful. So we know what failure looks like. But success is success is just a simple with success it's just a one trick pony because you just accomplish this one thing that happens to you. But with failure, the sky is the limit. Because once you get down and out, who knows what's gonna happen. <laughs> I think in order to be successful like the real way to be successful would be to first find something that you believe in something that if you get to the top of whatever the mountain of that something is you could objectively look at your life and be like that person is awesome they're standing for what they believe in. Everything that they have said is true. They didn't fuck everybody over in the process. And the way to really like just find that thing and that purpose and that belief and move towards it, I think is, is really scary. <clears throat> I remember hearing a I, I don't it might have been Vincent I don't think it was Vincent Van Gogh who said it but the quote was um success comes from a long line of failure and the thing that I just thought to myself was yeah but so does failure <laughs> it's like they're saying like well you know you try those who try and try will eventually succeed and like yeah but those who try and try and fail they did the same thing <laughs> and i don't know about what you were saying there like about being successful is like you honestly get to your like you get you accomplish and like fight for what you believe in and you don't stab anyone in the back because there's some rotten people out there's like the wolf of wall street type people who are like i'm just gonna lie cheat steal and kill in order to get like these really superficial like materialistic things and they could like screw over so many people in the process like sell their own mother and if they got that like ferrari you know, they would, they would feel successful. They would be happy. But so that's why we're measuring success by like wealth in this case. And then also a lot of the people at the top wealth wise and power wise are narcissists. 
and like sociopaths. CEOs are the most likely to be narcissists because that's what it takes to get there. And then, you know, artists that get really famous and they get depressed, they get lonely, they're, they don't, they don't know who they are. I think it's because they, it happened in the wrong way. People were telling them who to be and what to, you know, they, they weren't holding on to their beliefs on the way up. They weren't making sure everything they were saying was, was rooted in truth. And I think for normal people like you and I that aren't narcissists, that's how we should measure success. Because honestly, like, we want to be comfortable. We want to be able to pay our rent and our bills and feel independent and feel like we can take care of ourselves. But we're not like trying to control the world. We're not that to us. I don't think that wouldn't be success for me, at least anyway. Yeah, I don't know if this is exactly the same thing, but it's like we are kind of fed this idea of what success is. Like it's usually like a very materialistic idea of success and or or it's like a career centrist uh, idea. And the one thing I can say is like when I'm like on social media or I'm seeing people that I know like doing things that are that would basically like stereotypically be considered as like successful. Like I don't feel like any envy or like disappointment with myself for not having what they have. Like if I see someone's like, Oh, I'm, I've become a doctor and now I'm going on vacation in Florida. Like I could not think of anything that I would do want to do less than something like I'm going to my timeshare in Miami. (laughs) And uh, important to me. Um, So I think the fear of success is part of it. I think also is like getting to know yourself and what's really in your heart as cheesy as that sounds, but it's just like, what would make you feel successful as the human being that you are unrelated to what society is telling you to be, which is like this wealthy asshole narcissist which is not what any of us really want to be but then does it matter if there's like consensus on like what success is (laughs) like if my idea of being happy is like living in the cabin in the woods and like fishing and drinking beer every day and someone's like wait where's your timeshare where's your ferrari or (laughs) Like, where's your, where's your great painting? Like, if, if others basically don't judge me to be successful, does that matter? I don't, I guess it doesn't, obviously. The obvious answer is no, but. Yeah, what's your, you're, you're saying that you would be discouraged if other people were like, oh, you're not, um, conforming to this idea of success. That would yeah, I guess what I'm saying judged. is. I guess what I'm saying is I'm just like those people on Facebook who are posting pictures of themselves on the beach and stuff like they want people to be a little bit jealous and I want people to be a little bit jealous. (laughs) (laughs) I want people to recognize my success. Look how successful I am. Yeah. Look how Um, good I am at carving ice sculptures. So then I guess we could come back to our original topic, which is that, which is about being mediocre and I think the idea is that 
being mediocre is a good thing or that it's not a bad thing and it's acceptable and everyone is mediocre. And what we determine as success above mediocrity, extraordinary people aren't a lot of the time they're not happy. And a lot of us, what, what we want is to be happy. And sometimes they're narcissists and we can't begin to become that because do you want to be that? I don't. <laughs> That's a pretty mediocre take. <laughs> you do better. <laughs> No, I can't do better. I'm mediocre. <laughs> well, Jordan, Any... do you think we should wrap this up? Yes. Anything you can do, I can do mediocre. I can be way more mediocre than you. <laughs> I love you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in and be sure to subscribe or follow or whatever, no pressure. And if you'd like to support the show, feel free to click the support this podcast button or follow the link in the show notes. Another way to support us is to send a message to Facebook at Practice Makes Podcast or on Instagram at PMP Pod to suggest a topic for the show. Also, all these links can be found in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.